This holiday season, give the gift of liberty and join the Cato Institute's podcast sponsor program. Special benefits begin at just $17.76 a month and deliver the benefits of Cato Institute sponsorship to friends and family as well. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to learn more. If you become a patron sponsor with a gift of $1,000, I'll personally thank you on the podcast for your support. It's a great way to support Liberty and our daily output here at the Cato Daily Podcast. Visit cato.org slash podcast sponsor to learn more. And as always, thank you for listening. This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, December 13th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. Efforts at private protection of species are often thwarted by federal law. That's federal law intended to protect species. But how that happens is a little counterintuitive. Reed Watson is president of the Property and Environment Research Center. We spoke in October in Bozeman, Montana, about how to incentivize more private species protection. The case is, is about endangered species, and it's about whether or not states can engage in, in activities to conserve endangered species that don't actually violate um, uh, the, the act, that don't run afoul of, of, of the act's provisions. Specifically, the case is about whether or not intrastate activity, that is not economic activity, is precluded by the Endangered Species Act. All right, so this is a prairie dog mm -hmm. that is in Utah. It's the Utah prairie dog. The Utah prairie dog. Nowhere outside of Utah does this species exist. So what is the government's contention? That even though this is a completely intrastate species, and even though it's non-economic activity, in other words, the, the state of Utah was relocating individual animals from certain areas into state wildlife uh, preserves, that the, the Endangered Species Act precludes that. That's the, that's the federal government's uh, contention. Okay, so the attempt was to help out the, exactly. the prairie dogs. The state of Utah actually helping to conserve this endangered species. And the federal government says you're prohibited from doing that? Exactly. Under an act meant to preserve endangered species. That may be a generous interpretation of the Endangered Species Act, but that's exactly what they argue. Okay, so um, it would seem pretty clear-cut if this is intrastate, non-economic activity, but the feds, of course, have a fairly generous definition of what constitutes economic activity. Right, but they don't even argue that this is economic activity. They actually say the Commerce Clause allows them to regulate non-economic activity that is completely intrastate. That's what, that was the Tenth Circuit's holding, and that's what's so scary about this. This case is actually bigger than an individual species, because if you, if you take the government's argument to its extreme, there's nothing that it can't regulate. So while we're, while we're interested in the case because of the species relevance, it goes much bigger than that in terms of property rights. Okay. So yeah, because it, it could implicate cases like Rach. It could implicate cases like uh, Wickard. That's right. In terms of how we think about uh, the Commerce Clause and what uh, powers that grants to the federal government. Indeed, this would be a, a major expansion of Rach. Because we're talking about non-economic activity. Because we're talking about completely intrastate activity. And nobody debates those two facts. And we're not, uh, not even talking about activity that affects commerce. Is that right? That's correct. Because that's that's, correct. That, seems, that's the key distinction for Wickard and for Rach is that this was not... Uh, even indirectly related to commerce. It's all about conservation. This is literally about moving individual animals, individual prairie dogs from one spot 
to a, a better spot where they might thrive better. And the feds say, no, you can't do that. So what is it? What are the feds proposing as uh, a better way to deal with this endangered no, species? <laughs> Status quo endangered species act, which by the way, if you look at the performance in the endangered species act, it's pretty bad. It doesn't actually recover species. So, you know, whether you look at it from a legal perspective or whether you look at it from a conservation outcomes perspective, the feds are getting this wrong. Okay. So what is the solution and what are, what are you arguing here? What we're arguing is that especially, especially when a species is completely interstate, when it doesn't cross state boundaries, um, but even when it does, that states should be allowed to experiment with conservation approaches. In fact, that's the, the basics of federalism anyway, is that you have you know, 50 laboratories for experimentation. The Endangered Species Act is not recovering species. So why not back off that one-size-fits-all federal approach and allow states like Utah, Montana, all the other states to experiment with conservation approaches that actually recover these species? The Commerce Clause is a weak, weak legal justification for the Endangered Species Act, not to mention the Endangered Species Act usually and often harms more species than it protects. All right. So it is we, you would expect what the Endangered Species Act using the Commerce Clause's justification would uh, attempt to impede some kinds of business mm -hmm. enterprises. Um, and presumably it does on mm -hmm. occasion. Absolutely. And But your argument here hinges critically on whether or not the species is intrastate. It is, but we're also making a broader argument, that a, a consequentialist argument, that if you look at the performance of the Endangered Species Act over time, it is not recovering species. To the, to the contrary, often because the Endangered Species Act punishes and restricts the kind of activity that can happen that affects an endangered species, it, makes, it pro provides a disincentive for species conservation rather than incentive. So we're gonna make, we are making the legal argument that you know, this is a completely intrastate animal, but we're also gonna make a policy argument that the court should consider that if we really care about species conservation, we need to rethink the act. How does the Endangered Species Act do that? If if it's providing this disincentive, what is the what are the statutes that tell us uh, or send a clear signal to business people yeah. or others that either I don't I don't want to report the fact that I've seen this species out in the wild mm -hmm. or I'm going to act in a way that is counter to at least the intent right, of the right. Endangered Species Act? Well, in, in its most basic elements, the act prohibits, quote unquote, taking a species. And that doesn't mean just actually taking the species out of its habitat, but doing anything that affects that habitat or affects that species viability. And so there's actually documented evidence of landowners destroying habitat before a species will get on their property because they understand once that species gets on their property, they can do a whole lot less with it. They lose a lot of flexibility. They lose a lot of its economic potential. And so you see this preemptive habitat destruction. And that's actually been documented throughout the country. Can people buy insurance against that kind of uh, federal reach? There are certain provisions that allow private landowners to to contract with, with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and say, basically set up baselines and say that there's a certain number of species on the property and we're going to engage in activities that the feds will allow and not be regulated further. But that still does not provide a positive incentive for 
investment in, in species habitat or species conservation. Rather, it says, we're just not going to bring out the biggest of sticks and beat you with it. We're trying to figure out a way to actually incentivize private landowners and businesses to engage in species conservation. And that's exactly what's happening in this case in Utah, where you've got a state who's act actively engaging in conservation efforts, and they're being thwarted by federal overreach. Reed Watson is president of the Property and Environment Research Center. This holiday season, consider supporting the Cato podcast and the broad mission of the Cato Institute by visiting cato.org slash podcast sponsor and learn more about the benefits of sponsorship. That's cato.org slash podcast sponsor.